Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, it's Ted. Eric and I make no bones about the fact that we love Dogtra. We've been using them even long before they were sponsors of the podcast. Uh, my favorite is the 1900S hands-free. I typically have the remote in my pocket and I just put the other remote inside my glove or on my wrist and I can use that thing all day long. It's fantastic. Dr. is going to continue to be a sponsor of the podcast and because of that, you guys get a discount. So if you head to dogtra.com, any unit over $200, you'll get a 10% off if you use the discount code WDR10. That's Working Dog Radio 10, WDR10, dogtra.com. Go get it. This episode of Working Dog Radio is being brought to you in part by RayAllen.com. RayAllen.com, your one-stop shop for everything dog-related. Not just canine, not just search and rescue, not just civilian sport, and not just pets. All of it. Everything related to a dog you can find at RayAllen.com. Be sure to mention the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off your next order. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. Man, we are stoked to have TrueScent back on the podcast as a sponsor. Train your explosive detection dogs with TrueScent Canine, not a pseudo. It's a simulant. Training aids available at TrueScent Canine. That's the letter K, the number nine, dot com, or 512-533-2040. If you use the code WDR15, that's WDR15, you get 15% off your next order of training aids Accessories are excluded. Hit them up, truescentcanine.com. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you by Hits Training and Consulting. Next year, August 13th through the 16th in Chicago, Illinois, the number one police canine conference in the world, hands down. The most amazing instructors there. Wait till you see the vendor show. If you thought last year was big, you haven't seen anything. There's going to be vendors from every facet of the canine industry, giveaways, everything you can think of, great times. During the day, great times at night. Ted and I will be there, Working Dog Radio booth. Going to have a good time. Hits 2019. Don't wait. Register now. Hitscanine.net. Any working dog handler can tell you these dogs find magical and magnificent ways to hurt themselves. Hell, half of being a handler is keeping them from hurting themselves. Much like maintenance training, care and upkeep is an important ongoing duty of any working handler, no matter if it's military, law enforcement, search and rescue, or sport. I had a dual-purpose dog at the kennel that we were training that had a hot spot from a food allergy, and it was clearly bugging him. We had to continue working this dog. I didn't have time for him to take off. So our vet wanted to put him on some anti-inflammatory, and I'm usually pretty anti-med unless it's absolutely necessary. If you remember from the Janet Baker episode, certain medications will cause problems with detection, and I ain't got time for that. I found a product called Quick Term from the people over at VetCare. I used this spray once a day for a week. And it was gone completely. We had another dog get a puncture wound during a track on his chest, and it probably needed a staple, but it was in a weird area. So I clipped a fur around it and put this on there once a day for about 10 days, and it was like it never happened. This isn't a Me Too product. It's not relabeled. It's specifically made for dogs and horses. Nothing like it on the market, and it works on wounds, but it also takes care of skin issues like flea dermatitis, hot spots like I mentioned, lick sores, granulomas, pad injuries, and the dreaded happy tail, which causes the back of your patrol cruiser to look like the OJ crime scene. It's a patented formula with a lot of science behind it. This shit really works. Due disclosure, I got tagged pretty bad and needed to get sewn back together a couple months ago, 
and I may have used it on myself and it works great. The stub is also temperature stable, so you can keep it in the patrol car with all the rest of your first aid supplies in the summer and the winter, and it'll help prevent small issues from becoming larger ones, and it'll keep the admins happy because the vet bills will go down. Head over to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR, that's 10WDR, and get 10% off. Get your working dogs working again and quicker with QuickDerm. Hey, everybody, this is Eric. We are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting The Bite, coming from Ohio. Um, I'm, my name is Eric Stambro from Van S. Canine. With me, as always, is my partner and co-host, Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Torchlight Canine. Uh, Ted, what's up? Uh, it's raining. <laughs> Tulsa Of course, has, it's uh, fucking spring in Tulsa. Well, Tulsa has had a rough go for the last couple of weeks, and uh, we just bought a new house, and we're up on a hill, thank God. Big hill in Tulsa, and uh, we're about 400 feet above the Arkansas River. But the people that aren't are pretty much underwater right now, and it kind of sucks, and it rained all fucking day, and I got a handler school going on, and it sucks. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, tracking and doing fucking drugs in the rain and everything else. Awesome. And not just a little bit of rain, like fucking coming down, coming down. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been trying. We've been, uh, dodging tornadoes and shit. Oh, we got hit Ohio with some tornadoes though. I saw that Dayton got, Dayton got flattened, man. Yeah. And that, uh, they deployed task force one here, um, in Oklahoma and, uh, one of our counties that has a, not a private, search and rescue dog because he is a canine handler but um the dog was specifically designed as a single purpose drug dog and then as a kind of a live find dog in situations like this they uh, ended up sort of having to use him the other night we had a tornado come through a town the next county over and uh flattened a bunch of stuff tore up a bunch of businesses and homes and people were missing there well they weren't missing they weren't able to get a hold of them but um thankfully nobody was injured or dead so that's happy but yeah it's yeah, been that's uh, good it's been, it's been rough the last couple of days for sure so um yeah here in ohio has been um it's not too bad memorial day weekend was pretty decent we got some time out on the boat um i i just i took sunday of the weekend i'm like I got to go in the morning, do some things with some of the dogs, and then I am chilling out for a day. I don't get to do that, as as most dog owners and or excuse me, dog trainers know. There's not there's not a lot of chill time, but I made sure to do it. Um, I always try to get my dogs in my kennels, the police dogs especially, that they're um, you know I, they can go about five or six hours every time without needing broke, so that that helps. But um, Doing the pet dog and the I got uh, police dog stuff. I got some handlers up from Tennessee, looking at the dog that they're uh, uh, buying from me, so they could uh, mess around with her a little bit. And right now, I'm looking at a golden retriever who is passed out on place next to me, which is cool because I figured this dog would pant the entire episode. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, so what? Uh, so. You and I got to do some pretty cool stuff with dog trail. You want to talk about that a minute? Yeah, uh, you and I are both are field staff guys. Uh, aside from the fact that they sponsor the podcast, but um, we got to demo or test, I guess, uh, the new prototype, the thirty five hundred X, which is a dual. It's a two dog collar, uh, kind of based on the nineteen hundred, from what I can tell. Uh, it has eight levels of stimulation instead of the 127 like zero to hero thing 
Uh, and then it's also got a stimulation lock and it's got tone and vibrate, but, um, pretty cool setup mile and a half range. And it does work a long way at the kennel. Uh, our facility is 11 acres and they, uh, I paged at Leck at Leck was at the kennel with me the other day and I paged him, uh, which is, he has a silent recall and he came ripping ass from wherever he was, he was out because no other dogs out and he came ripping ass back to me from wherever he was, but he was way out of sight and way around some big metal building stuff. So, um, I don't know when it's going to be available, but, uh, and I didn't, I don't know how much it's going to be. I know you'll get a discount on it. <laughs> you oh, use yeah. the discount code at dogsure.com. But, uh, yeah. What did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. It's pretty legit. Like Here's the thing with two dog collars, you know, you got to toggle between them. There's no toggling. Each dog has their own control and their right. own buttons. Uh, yeah. So you could have two dogs out at the exact same time and stem them both on separate levels independently at different times or together. Uh, it's it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I did too. So I think they said it's going to be out in July. I think so. Jennifer said I'm probably making that up, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, you should start seeing some stuff about it. And of course I've also got the, uh, we both got the new ball popper and dropper pro. Things. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been using the shit out of those. I got a handler school going on and I've got five or so dogs now that are in process of being finished. So I've been using those things as well. All at dogtra.com. Be sure to hit them up. Uh, speaking of which also, did you see the video I sent those guys that you, you guys earlier of the, that old ass Ray Allen collar that Scott had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This had to be one of the originals, man. I don't know. That's older than Matt Wilson. So, um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's impossible. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, we're busting on Matt. He works for Ray Allen. Uh, we got a great relationship with Ray Allen. Um, here's the thing about Ray Allen is so, me doing the pet dogs and the police dogs, anything I need dog related, I just go to Ray Allen. It's just one one stop i get on there i click 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 i get everything for police dogs i saw that they are coming out with some new bite suits yeah. um some of their their reward pouches are like an like genius innovation for those people um i use them for pet dogs and police dogs uh every kind of collar you can think of leashes and harnesses and pet dog stuff and beds and everything that they got um and you know the the old days of the old big michelin man bite suits nobody wants those anymore and ray allen knows it so they got uh, a lot of good stuff coming out ray allen has some pretty legit bungees that matt showed us uh where were we at colorado he yeah. brought out some bungees that they got those things were legit man if you like doing bungee work those stuff was pretty tight yeah we're gonna talk about I that like here in a second with our guest i'm sure um yeah. and you know one of the other things that we talk about a lot um, is especially when we had the when Paul Hammond on, you know, he was talking about um, how handlers need to be talking about actionable intelligence um, and working on the odors that are you know relevant to what you're dealing with um, based on the intelligence you have coming in. I mean, the one thing the ATF has done really well is managed to keep military grade explosives out of the hands of people that don't need them, um, but the HME threat is still a really big problem. So the homies at TrueScent have kind of answered that because HME is super dangerous to handle, right? So nobody wants to do it because you'll blow your dick off. But, you know, the guys at TrueScent have made a simulant. It's not a pseudo. It's an actual simulant. So it's actual odor suspended in silica. And it is uh, several HME odors and RDX. 
and it's safe to handle. You put it in the fridge or the freezer, um, safe to ship, all that kind of stuff. Um, they're giving a badass 15% discount if you use the discount code in the show notes. So be sure to hit them up, truescent.com. Um, head over there, check them out. It's a company that owns since is Signature Science, but great people. We had Ellie on. If you go back and listen to that episode, um, Ellie is kind of a mad scientist, taught at the uh, John F. Kennedy School of uh, Special Warfare as an SME, exp- uh, SME guy on um, weapons of mass destruction. So super good episode. Go back and listen to it. Yep. Also, the big thing we got coming up is in August. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Hits, yeah. man. I, yes. I, I can't wait, man. The Hits was so much fun last year, and it was so good connecting and meeting guys that we talked to and and everything. And it is easily, hands down, the biggest conference in the country for police stuff. Over 1,100 guys there, top instructors, like more more instructors than than you can actually get to. Um, right. but it, they change it. There's a certain percentage every year. They have a pretty good formula of how, how many times they want to change who the instructors are and what they're teaching. Um, the guys, if you're an instructor and you're teaching like say three classes, they're all three going to be different. Um, it's pretty good this year. It's in Chicago, man. And Chicago is a great place to hang out in. Um, yep. it's Biggest in conference August. hall in the country. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's massive. Um, August 13th through the 16th. Um, here's the thing, guys, because I listen, I know you're cops and I know you dudes, you all wait to the last minute to hook up with shit. But here's the problem um, the the price change will be coming up here. It's like 75 or yeah, like a big change, 75 bucks or something like that. If you don't register now, right? you got to get on that stuff. Um, you, imagine how pissed off your brass would be if they found out <laughs> you could have had the registration $75 cheaper than you did. Um, get on it. We're going to be there. Well, Working Dog Radio booth. Make sure you yep. come by. Say hi to us. Hits is put on by great people. There yeah. is no sex offenders that run that conference. Definitely like the, not. Uh, the magazine conferences can't really say the same thing. Um, nope. They will not have some shady-ass people in there recording stuff. They're there. have defense attorneys there <laughs> fucking recording and asking shit they're there. questions. Right. God, they're going to teach God you damn. and you're going to learn a lot and we're going to party and we're going to have a blast and it's yep. in Chicago and McCormick good times, Place. Man. Yep. 35 instructors, 44 topics. So you got some of the instructors covering the same topics, but there's 44 topics, 102 vendors, 102 <laughs> vendors. And Dude, they gave have, away thousands of stuff, yeah, dollars they, of stuff they, last they, year. Thousands and thousands. Yeah. It's uh, hits K nine letter K number nine dot net. Uh, go over and hit them up. Get signed up. Get your hotel set up too. I trust me. Stay at the hotel. Don't fuck around and do anything weird. Hey, I, another thing is I know Victoria Stillwell is not going to be there, despite what that dumb bitch has said on wherever and, and social media. She is never asked to to <laughs> instruct there. No one gives a shit. Nope. So. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna get that bitch there. Nah, no, fuck her. And so. you know, for those listening, we did ask her to come on, but she's gonna fucking go backwards and do whatever she's gonna do. She's gonna work on her next fucking TV show or get bit by another police dog. Yeah, uh, that's Speaking the only thing. She, yeah, exactly. You get. Uh, I see. Yeah, I saw your dog's got some problems, man. This dogs play like insane psychopaths <laughs> and fucking stab. Get hurt. Oh, we were. Get we hurt. were. We were babysitting uh, Dita the dog from 
SEAL team, uh, you know, because Justin's been on the show. Justin's a friend of ours. And Justin had a deal. He was training um, over in Arkansas with some people. And so Dita was dogs. We were dog sitting Dita for a while. And I swear to God, every time I watch that dog, something happens to her or something happens to static or something. And Justin always freaks out. And he's like, what'd you do to my dog? And all this other shit. And so to keep minor problems from turning into big problems, I use vet care. Or it's actually quick term, buy vet care. Uh, vetcare.us. Uh, Eric, one of our mutual friends, um, who I'm not going to mention his name because of what I'm about to say, but owns a very large boarding facility and had a dog that was brought in. And the dog started to develop hot or He was already presenting hotspots when he showed up. And everybody knows how that shit goes. The owners are going to swear to God that nothing was there and this, that, and the other, and you caused it. But, uh, you know, he inboxed me. and was like, hey, is this the stuff that I need to get? And I said, yeah. And, he, I mean, within a couple of days, he inboxed me back and was like, oh, man, it totally cleared it up. And he was like, you know, this dog is definitely not a dog. I want it to go back to the owner like that. And, you know, it's this, that, or the other. And it, it definitely helped clear it up. But uh, they do a great job. Uh, the stuff really works. I actually used it on myself when I got bit by that big-ass Malinois. <laughs> And uh, had mm-hmm. stitches, and it worked really well. It kind of stings a little bit at first, but uh, it uh, definitely is like Neosporin on steroids. It's temperature sensitive or temperature stable, so you can throw it in the patrol car. And when you get dogs that get hurt tracking, or not hurt, hurt, but like just stuff that doesn't need to turn into something else that are hot spots where you change food, or if you change food, uh, if they have pad injuries, anything small and minor, that stuff is awesome. It comes in a spray and it comes in like a little. Uh, like a tube that you can rub on like Neosporin, but uh, vetcare.us, uh, awesome people. They uh, look, look, look in the show notes of the discount code, give you 10% off. That's what, it's, that's what uh, they're offering right now. What's next? Oh, we're going to freaking Vegas this year too for HRD, right? Oh, yeah. I can't wait, man. Um, and and it, the funny people kill me. They're like, oh, I went to this conference. I went to that conference because it was in Vegas. I wanted to go to Vegas. I tell them, you do know that Las Vegas is open like all the time. The other like, you don't the need other a conference. Sixty-three days there. a year, right? Like, I mean, right. You yeah, don't okay. need a conference, so you don't need to sell your yourself out to a shit conference. Um, but I tell you what, Vegas does have to offer when there's no conference, but you still want to learn some police dog stuff. Is Silver State Canine, our buddy Cameron Ford. Cameron was on here. Cameron's been on several podcasts all over the place. The dude is deep, deep into the detection game, uh, worked Naval Special Warfare out on the West Coast for a while, really knows his stuff, revamped the program out there. He goes to Silver State Canine in Las Vegas, and they are killing it, killing it on detection stuff, police dog stuff, um, supervisor courses, all kinds of things. I, I see in June they have a detection dog training concepts course coming up, and... um it's funny because I talked to Cameron about this and he's like, dude, I, I'm teaching like dogs you would never think could do scent work because there's competition for that stuff, scent work stuff for yeah, pet dogs. Yeah. And he's like, I've never, I, I, I'm teaching dogs you would never, ever guess could do it. And it's, you know, finding the right motivation and doing the markers and the way he does. And um, if you're a, a dog b- training business owner, that is a revenue stream that you are missing out on if you're not doing it. And uh, I, I haven't been doing it because I'm waiting to go to a class with Cameron out at Silver State Canine. Um, check out, get on their website, man. Check out what they got. They got all kinds of stuff, civilian and police dog related. Their facility is like a 
detection Disneyland. Like there's so many different things you can do. They oh, and air conditioning. conditioning. Yep. Yeah. But it's in Vegas. <laughs> it's in Vegas. So you train all day and party all night. It's like being on a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So, um, you know, our rain episodes always end up being some of the most downloaded ones for better or for worse, even though we always kind of were like, oh, we don't need to do another one. But everybody seems to like them because either we say what people can't say or we say what people are thinking or whatever it is. So the last one we talked about, we had we, we kind of addressed some of the um, snake oil salesmen. And one of those that's predominantly, I think, the root of a lot of the um, dipshits in the United States uh, is a company um, in Canada, uh, Baden Canine. They're fucking horrible. And um, I, I think there's a perception that all Canada is like that. <laughs> and um, that's not the case. And it's not like Game of Thrones. Like, I used to think that, you know, the northern border was kind of like the wall. You know, go over and there's fucking snow everywhere and everything else. It's not. Um, you know, once you go north of the border, there are people that know what the fuck they're doing with dogs. And there are some really, really good canine handlers, some really good trainers, and some really, really good dudes that have their heads on straight. They are not all like the idiots we talked about in the rain episode. So, in that vein... For the next three episodes, we're going to do the Make Canadian Canine Great Again series. And the first oh, interview... Canada. <laughs> I don't know the... I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, that's no, it. No, that's I all I got. That's all I got. Yeah, me too. But for the first uh, interview um, is one of our favorite Canadians, Michael Nesbeth uh, from Grassroots Canine. Mike, what's up? Hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> we are doing great. So you are going to be the first savior of Canadian canine for everyone else across the world listening to let them know that uh, not everyone is like those dipshits out, <laughs> out, uh, out that, in the middle that's of the a lot, That's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's well, yeah, I, mean, I mean, but let's be honest, it's not that like, hard to overcome. So uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about like what you got going up there, uh, how you got to where you're at, and like what the program's like at Grassroots. All right, man. Well, uh, I, st I was born and raised in Toronto. Um, you know, I, I grew up with dogs, uh, Springer Spaniels, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary. You know, we didn't really train them that much. Um, what They kind of sparked my interest in training dogs because they were like hunting line dogs. Um, so they were friggin' nuts, you know. Um, I, I pretty much taught those dogs how to sit and avoid getting bit from them for, you know, the first half of my life pretty much. Um, uh, you know, I went, I went to high school down in Florida. I moved down there for high school, uh, graduated from high school down there. And I went to school, um, college in Florida there. I, uh, got some, uh, I studied psychology, um, sociology and criminology. So I got a few degrees in, uh, in that spectrum. Uh, so I, I learned a lot about classical conditioning and operant conditioning. Uh, not really too focused on, on animals other than, you know, the regular Pablo experiments and stuff. Uh, from there, I went and did counseling for about a year for humans and realized that operant conditioning and classical conditioning with humans is a little bit more challenging than it was for Pablo. Uh, so I uh, kind of, you know, threw, threw, the, threw the towel in for that. Um, was, you know, wandering for a little bit about what I would do. I had a dog at the time, so I was messing around with him and, you know, something just kind of went off on me and I was like, Hey, this is, you know, I want to mess with dogs for the rest of my life. 
knocked on pretty much every trainer's door that I could in, in Florida, South Florida at this time. And everyone pretty much gave me the finger and was like, no, screw you. Um, except for uh, one pet dog kennel that kind of halfway gave me a maybe. And I, I showed up there pretty much every day for a month without being paid, uh, just kind of hanging out. And finally, uh, the owner came in and was just like, you're still here. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, well, you can you can work here. We'll give you a job for minimum wage and you could pick up dog poop. And then on your, you know, after hours, you could train dogs with the trainers. So I did that for a while. Um, through that, I got into kind of bite sports, started off like decoying at a French ring club, quote unquote. I don't think it was a, a registered club. It was a, a bunch of old timers and I showed up and they're like, Hey, you're young, put on the suit. And that's kind of how, how I got into it. Uh, at that club, we would have a, a few of, um, you know, local police departments kind of show up with their dogs. And because of going to school and kind of studying operant conditioning and stuff, I was able to help them through some, some basic problems, you know, nothing super complex, uh, just basic stuff. So I got to hang out and work the police dogs and kind of kept rolling since then. I, um, after that, we, um, me and my wife left from South Florida to come back to the great white North, um, and, uh, opened up grassroots canine. And it was kind of an uphill battle for us for a little while, you know, just being back in, I haven't lived back in Canada for probably close to about eight years at that point. Uh, came back and we, we uh, opened up doing pet obedience stuff. Uh, my heart has always, you know, kind of been since that experience with the police dogs, been in the working dog aspect. Um, but I, I, I overall just enjoy seeing progress with dogs. So the end goal was always to work with, uh, you know, working dogs. And I, I, I imported a uh, Czech Shepherd at, at that, you know, maybe the first or second year we were here, kind of raised him for a bit. Um, when he was about a year old, again, just knocking on doors and, and trying to wait for people to answer and no one really answering. Um, luckily, our, our, our provincial police up here um, kind of answered the, answered the call. I was like, hey, I have a dog. You know how it goes. Everyone says they have a dog that's for sale, right? So it's kind of hard to get in there. Um, I showed up with the dog, and they, it, it, they, they were asking a lot of questions, you know, like, oh, who's the dog? What, what does he do? And I'm not generally the kind of braggadocious type. So I, I was pretty quiet, and we brought the dog out, and the dog just happened to rock the testing, man. Um, and from that point on, it, it's kind of been smooth sailing for, for us up here. We have... Um, we, we've, we've expanded quite a bit. Uh, we had just opened a second location in Maryland uh, a couple years, uh, sorry, a couple months ago, uh, coming on a year now, I think actually. Um, so we're just kind of, we do pet obedience as well as uh, procuring police dogs. We raise police dogs. Um, we, we also started offering um, some educational seminars on working dog behavior, um, but pretty theory heavy stuff as well. That's the, the, the synopsis of what we do. <laughs> So for those who are listening, I made a post about it the other day on um, Instagram or something that if you're, if you're a smaller kennel or smaller uh, police dogs person, you want to do uh, strictly police dogs, I don't think it's economically feasible. I don't think you can do it and make an actual good living if you're a small kennel um, 
talk to the audience about about the importance of doing pets when you're at that size. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll always, no matter, you know, even if I get to the the point, not that I, it's a goal of mine, but if I got to the point of, you know, having a hundred dog kennel, um, I would always do pets. I, I think it's important, obviously, one financially, right? There's a lot of pets around, um, and there's some problems that people need help with. Um, but on the other side, I, I feel like if, if you're a behavior geek, you're kind of a behavior geek. So to me, it doesn't matter specifically what the behavior is that, that we're working on or, or what we're trying to achieve. Um, it, it's just all around working with dogs, you know, and I learned so much, probably even more from the pet dog stuff um, than I've learned from the working dog stuff. You don't get, you know, working dogs generally have selected, right. They kind of want to do the job already. You know, it's kind of just channeling them in the right way with pet dogs. Uh, it, it can be a lot more challenging. Yeah, I, I found you know I've I've only been doing the pets for about a year now, and um, I it, it's amazing how different that my police dog training is right now, and and what I've learned and things that I see looking back in police dogs they trained in like some leash reactivity that we thought was just you know because it's a crazy police dog right it's an aggressive police dog mm-hmm. that's why they lash out at everything and everybody when in reality. <laughs> We could probably just stop that with a couple little changes at home, you know, and and, yeah. and yeah. the handlers get sick of it, but they think that's just their life. And then they wonder yeah. why they wonder why when the dog retires, he stops doing that. What's well, because he's just laying around on a downstay forever <laughs> once he retires. That's what, they, that's what helps. So, um, so for those of you who, and most of you don't know, I, I met Mike, you know, we were, um, uh, friends quote unquote on social media and followed each other. And, um, we couldn't be divergently different from looks. I'm a short white dude. He's a tall, gigantic black dude with, with the dreads and the long hair and everything. And, but you, you can see talent on both, you know, both ends. And he reached out to me. He needed a dog for a contract up in Canada. And, um, I just happened to get a dog in and, um, it was a shepherd mile mix. Uh, it was a he was a big sucker too, man. And and I only had yeah. him for a little bit of time, so I sold him as a green dog. And we met up in Detroit at the airport. I now wish I regret selling you that dog. I wish I would have kept him. <laughs> in the end, he was so much more. And I could see that he was a good dog. He was you know he was going to be legit. Um, he, he's worth so much more to me. But you know, when you're a small business, you're like, I don't want to feed this fucking dog mm-hmm. forever. Who knows when he'll be done? Here's a guy who's going to give me money. But here's an interesting yeah, story. This, this is a big difference between us and Canada and maybe some other places. So if I, so we may, he drives down from Detroit, uh, with a buddy. We meet, uh, at the airport. He does some testing real quick. We had, I had already sent him a million videos and, um, he takes the dog and he heads back to Canada. Now, in the U.S., when I bring a dog in from the U.S., it doesn't cost me anything. Uh, if I use a brokerage or the airlines charge like 75 bucks or whatever it is. But um, real quick, tell if you can, tell a little bit of that story how you got uh, extorted and <laughs> ass-raped at the border in Canada. There, there you go. You put it, you put it quite uh, eloquently. Eloquent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was the first time me and Eric met up. The dog's actually super rock star right now killing it in the street. But, um, I, uh, I needed a dog for a contract. I reached out. Um, Eric was awesome. Um, we met up, 
so leaving to come back across the border now and um they put us into secondary uh, at the border we're just driving across because we had a dog I was like, yeah i just bought the dog here's the paperwork eric gave me the the bill of sale um and and numbers weren't fudged up <laughs> like they were accurate yeah. numbers um but um we, we got to the border and they took uh took my phone went through the phones kept us there probably upward of eight 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 hours seized the dog from me um be on the grounds that they didn't believe that I paid what I paid for the dog and the bill of sale was, wasn't accurate. Um, long story short, I got the dog back, but only after paying a cash penalty of $3,500, um, to return them. So that dog was to this day, he's still the most expensive dog I've purchased. <laughs> <laughs> that, to me, the fact that a border patrol agent in Canada is able to find you right there on the spot. They told, dude, listen, Ted, they told Mike that we're going to take your dog. We're going to put him in a kennel and you can, you can appeal and you, you either pay us or he's going to sit in the kennel and you can appeal this and it's going to take X number of weeks, like a long time. And we're not going to do shit with your dog. He's going to, he's going to sit in the kennel and they, they actually said he's going to rot in the kennel. So they know the lingo. They know what they're talking about. They know how to extort you to pay money. So you have border agents, not a border court, not a court, not a a border agent right there that can find you on the spot. It's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty, it was the first time I've experienced it. So, um, Generally now, so now what we do is fly them straight into the airport fly and uh, in. have yep. a broker yep, that, that I pay to deal with all of that. Um, so there's no problems now. But yeah, but that, that was that was a, definitely a, a learning experience for me. Yeah, so you don't drive a dog across the border, Canadians, unless you can show it's your pet. Dude, they went through his phone. <laughs> they went through his emails <laughs> yeah. and his phone. It's so ridiculous. Yep. Damn. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty... Uh, that was felt pretty intrusive, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, if people follow you online, um, they see, or if they met you at conferences, every time I've ever seen you at conference, you're uh, doing decoy work and tons of your stuff online is bite development and decoy development Develop- or the dog. You want to kind of go through that a little bit, how you start a dog and, and kind of where you head with it on the bite. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so whenever I'm working on a dog, I always try and, you know, there's, as you guys know, there's a lot of like folk tale in, in um, dog training, you know, and it doesn't always match up to what science tells us. Um, so once I have the dog and I've, I've made the selection of the dog that I, you know, it passed all my criteria. Uh, I, I, all of my training is based off of, you know, operant or classical conditioning. Um, so I, I identify you know, what the dog desires. Um, usually if it's bite work that we're doing, the dog wants to bite, you know, so they got to want to bite before I can even work on bite development. Um, the other thing that, that I do that, that, um, I think is like really, really pivotal, um, is I, I want a proactive dog, not a reactive dog. Um, so I, I teach the dogs that you make things come to life or, or the world kind of beats to your drum. Uh, so in the context of bite work, um, if you want to bite that decoy, you got to activate the decoy. The decoy doesn't activate you. So I, I see a lot of times people kind of like whipping at a dog or dancing around 
um, oh. and, and screaming at the dog to get the dog to go. Uh, I kind of want the dog to be the one to go um, first. So I, d- I do that whether it's a, a eight-week-old puppy or a, a two, two-year-old, three-year-old dog. Um, just that core kind of concept has to be understood. Um, and how I go about teaching them that is if they don't come out and they don't activate that decoy, well, then they get put away, you know? So the theory to that is a, is negative punishment, right? You got to start this game. If you don't start it, you don't get a chance. Um, I'll put him away and then I'll take another dog out and work that other dog in front of him. Um, generally that gets, gets the concept understood. Uh, once I build value enough to, to, and they understand kind of the, the category or the, the outline to um, the, the biting well bite work uh, from there, I just go into grip development. So I'm a, I'm a big fan on building horsepower before breaks. Uh, so I, I want that dog to, to be a bully in everything it does. Um, I want them to be possessive. I want them to want to quote unquote dominate what they have. Um, it, it, if it's a, a puppy, I use, you know, I, I try to use as little equipment as possible. Um, not, you know, not giving live bites to puppies and stuff, but uh, I, I go from like a rag to maybe a bite wedge. Um, and then I'll use that wedge with them all the way up. You know, the answer is always, it depends, but all the way up until they're ready to go onto a suit. Um, I'm, I use a lot of uh, opposite opposition reflex. I know some people aren't big fans of back ties. Um, I'm a huge fan of back ties, um, static back ties or, or bungees. I, w- I want them biting as hard a- as possible, uh, as hard as they can, and I don't want them transferring. I want them knowing targets um, and, and getting those targets and, and staying put. Yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point because one thing Eric and I always talk about, <clears throat> and a lot – I mean, you've trained with us up in Albany, and so, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of bites that are um, – and Eric will tell you that most – and a lot of my guys too – most of the bites that our dogs see are um, passive. And when you have a decoy in a program that is exactly the opposite of what you were talking about, where the decoy has to initiate everything, that the dog is waiting for provocation or waiting for a reaction from the decoy to bite, I can guarantee you that almost every single time, and if you were listening to this right now, and you are having problems with passive bites if you've had one or two or, God forbid, three in a row where you've had to bite somebody and the dog didn't engage because you just sat there and the dog has had live bites in the past, but they've all been active, this is your fucking problem. Michael hit it right yeah. on the head. And so, like like you said, like when, we were, when, we, when we raise puppies like the three of us, and not just us, but other people too, but... You know, I make those puppies come out and I make them earn every single thing, right? So they come out and they look not necessarily to pick a fight, but they're out Then they're activating the decoy. And that's why, like, when you watch videos of you, for example, online or me or even Eric, we don't dance around a whole lot. Um, I'm not very vocal. There was a thread that was um, popped up fairly recently. Um, and I don't remember who asked it. I, I know Regney was talking on it, but... Um, about you know how we reinforce um, certain behaviors in dogs and why we're doing things we're doing in yeah. a suit and you know talking about making noise and all this other stuff and I'm like yeah yeah you know I mean if you're gonna get bit I mean most of the time somebody's gonna yell but nine out of ten times if your dog won't engage passively this is why 
um, aside yeah. from the equipment side. But I mean, because the dog has been turn, learn, has been taught that they activate everything. And I think Rigney says it, and I think Rick Walterbeek says it a lot too. They say it's called active aggression, which I, some people call it something else. But basically, the dog is bringing forward pressure to a person regardless of what they're doing. And like you said a minute ago, I need the dog to want to bite somebody. Um, you know, and then, yeah, I mean, like I, they either need to, or they want to, and I need, I need them to want to bite somebody regardless of what they're fucking doing. I don't care what they're doing. If they want, I need them to be there. You know, you bring a good point about the leashes. Eric and I are huge, huge proponents of back that leashes are such a good idea. There's cave paintings of them. I mean, that's how long leashes have been around. So, I mean, I know some people don't like them, whatever, that's fine. But for teaching targeting and teaching grip work, there is probably not a better way to do it than doing it that way. But um, so once you start doing the script development, what does that look like? Like you progress onto a suit. Um, once we've got this, you know, insane desire to come forward and bring forward pressure to a person, um, how do you go about it? And yeah. what is, so kind of back chain it for everybody. So what does it look like at the end? And then how do you get there? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so at the end, uh, I, I want the dogs that, that grip quote unquote, um, it, it, when they're in that mind state is, is the most important thing to them. Um, they know, uh, way they're, they're armed with the tools to bring the fight um, not fight drive, but bring the fight to someone, you know, uh, I, I want them to know, Hey, when you feel uncomfortable, uh, I, I want to have already taught them the appropriate response to feeling uncomfortable, which for me specifically, um, is I want them to counter in and bite harder. Um, so I, I teach them meticulously throughout the training from the get go, Hey, new stimuli, uh, in this picture that you've never saw before. What are you supposed to do if after the dogs had, you know, 20, 30 reps of new things being added um, that might make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and they've always won by countering in and, and punching forward and, and biting harder. Um, they kind of default to that behavior. That becomes like their default behavior. Obviously, there's a genetic component to that biting behavior, but I think a lot of it can be trained as well. Um, so I, I, that's kind of my end goal. I want to just arm them with the appropriate tools to go out and apprehend people effectively. Um, so prior to that, uh, I know you kind of, you touched on it, like decoys vocalizing a little bit, um, or, or a lot a, as a reinforcer during bite work. And I'm, I'm not opposed to decoys vocalizing or, or decoys being silent. I, I think, uh, if we take a scientific approach, um, first we have to identify what the dog wants. You know, some dogs want that feedback from the decoy, other dogs, that feedback can mean nothing to them. And, and, you know, the third type of dog, that feedback can be too much and can, in their mind, you know, be defined as pressure. One of the things that, that I see a lot is um, decoys or, or trainers. Sometimes we get stuck in almost like a robotic mode where it's like, okay, dog counters forward, I scream and walk backwards. Um, where that approach doesn't work for every single dog. The dog defines what the reinforcer is and the dog defines what punishment is. So we have to be able to adjust in that manner. Um, the other thing that I do is, uh, again, once I get a, 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 the desired behaviors from a dog, you know, using a, a fixed ratio schedule um, for reinforcement is the best way to teach behaviors. So the dog 
every time the dog counters, I give the reinforcer, whether that's me just twitching a little bit in the suit or me vocalizing. Once that behavior is established, um, the, the next thing that I go to is I use a variable ratio schedule, um, which is basically it, it's unpredictable to the dog when they're going to get a reinforcement from me. Um, so in, you know, the context of bite work, um, that can be a passive bite. The dog's biting me for 30 seconds before I give them any type of feedback, whether again, it's the twitch vocalization, falling down to the ground, um, any of these things, but I, I first have to make sure they know what I'm looking for and I've trained that behavior. So that's that fixed ratio. Um, and then once they know that I, that's what gets them results, then I just pretty quickly switch over to the variable ratio schedule where it's, Hey, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't, but you just got to stay at it and, and keep pushing at me. Yeah. And you know, that, that actually has a place in mature dogs too, even dogs that are super experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, you've met Josh, my intern or well, yep. uh, I mean, you'd met him, uh, super good decoy. And, um, he told me the other day, um, he learns more when we run a specific scenario where those dogs are on him for a long time. Like we're, we're asking a dog to bite for four, six, eight minutes at a time. Yep. And about how to work that effectively. Cause I mean, you can feel them get tired. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there mm-hmm. was a handler that came to the last, um, thing in Philly. Um, and we did a 10 minute fucking grip with that dog and I timed it and it was like 10 minutes and 30 mm-hmm. something seconds. And, you know, it changed through like that dog was super fucking intense at the beginning and about minute eight, the dog was like, all right, like you guys going to yeah. like, I mean, he wasn't definitely was not he was getting tired. I mean, it's like, I mean, mm-hmm. just like anything, he's getting fucking tired. But so, you know, I mean, for experienced dogs too, and you know, we're not the only ones to say this, but when we do those specific scenarios and even Bradshaw talks about this, these dogs have to learn to work on this and to stay on a grip for minutes at a time. And what you just said is exactly mm-hmm. how we do it. It's a variable reward schedule. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so when we're doing these brown hole scenarios, when fucking handlers are getting shit canned by other decoys and whatever else, and they're wrestling mm-hmm. and the dog's just kind of back there doing his thing, you know, he's back just, he's doing eight minutes of grip work yeah. by himself. And the decoy has to be able to work by himself and work like, be like, I got to keep you on here no matter what. So, you know, I mean, he may dig in and then you reward twice and then he digs in seven times and you reward once and then at three and then at two and then at nine and then so over and over and over again. But for those people listening, when Eric and I talk about a dog that's got to be on him, on there for, you know, minutes at a time by himself, that's the secret sauce. Like, that's how we do it. That, that's the variable reward yeah. schedule is how we do it. And like you said, man, it is as simple as something where like, I'm, I teach Josh and I'll, all my decoys uh, to flex their bicep or to flex their forearm or to flex their calf or wherever the dog's at as just a simple, like yeah. little, just flex, 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 pump your forearm. That's all you need. Uh, the dog will re-engage and you're good for 20 seconds and then wait for him to re-engage or wait for him to re-dig and then do it again. And just repeat until yeah. I come get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're uh, we, we're uh, gonna, oh, go ahead. Uh, real quick before we go to break, um, we had Carlos Ramirez on, and he talked about oh, yeah, uh, that's how true. it's called bite work, not outwork. Right? Um, do yeah. do you prescribe to the long bites, not the long distance, but yeah, the long so, time? 
yeah, I, I don't prescribe to the long distance bikes. I do prescribe to um, the long time. But again, I think there's a, a time and place for everything. So with younger dogs, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build frustration essentially, right? So I want them to kind of get a little bit of satisfaction of getting light, but I want them, I want to put them up high. So I don't necessarily always or, or you know want to give right. long bites all the time with a, with an older more seasoned dog for sure i want them to know how to that's part of the bite right they, that's part of fighting you got to go in that building and hey your handler might not get to you for five minutes ten minutes i got to clear all the other rooms on the way to you so you got to be able to do that as well yeah that's a, a funny uh, thing so that dog i sold to mike um you know he came to me he was on a suit already. I didn't really do anything with him. I didn't, uh, I just, um, you know, let him get some bite work and stuff like that. And then he went to Mike and Mike did a shitload of work with this dog. And then when the agency, I'm not going to say who the agency is or what, who the tester was or anything like that, but the test they did on that dog for a green dog was one of them was, was crazy. And if your dog, um, had Mike not worked with it on that dog and that dog was only ever getting a bite for about 30, 45, 45 seconds, maybe even a minute, there's no way he would have put the test. The test that this trainer evaluator put him through was insane long-term bites with an unbelievable amount of physical pressure. Um, there are departments and there are trainers out there that test that stuff. So if you're going to be a vendor... Uh, don't take, don't shortcut. Don't take the shortcut. Get your dogs where they'll actually yeah. Yeah. do that for a long time. I've seen another test yeah. that was very similar for a department that I'm not going to mention. They're in the U.S. and they pay a shit ton for green dogs. But they're like, oh yeah, we'll take a 36 month old dog, which was red flag number one. I'm like, you will? And I'm like, wait a minute. And uh, that test was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. seen seasoned patrol dogs that wouldn't pass that shit. And to their credit, yeah. they know what they're good at and they know how they, and they know how they deploy. And they know that on day one out of the Academy, that dog is probably going to bite somebody and it's probably going to be a three striker and he's probably going to fight with them. So yeah, they, they, yeah, that, that's, they that's, that's, that's the same, same kind of, um, kind of principles at the, the agency that Eric's talking about now. Yeah, uh, those so, are probably the hardest test that I've seen, man. Yeah, if you're a Patreon member, um, Eric and I may put together a little video or something. And we'll, we'll talk about what those tests are, but I'm, <laughs> it's definitely, when they told me what they're going to do, I'm like, God damn, all right, let's see. I mean, fuck, it may turn out well, it may not. I mean, I know this dude will bite you, but shit. So, yeah, for sure. So, on that note, we're going to take a break for a second. We'll be back, and we're going to pay some bills. Hold all right. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard, super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high-drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military-themed. Go to the website, www.usa-canine.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-canine.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. 
Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's talk about training and conferences. We know training budgets are always tight and that's why the crew from HITS goes the extra mile for you. Let's be honest here. There's no other canine training conference on the planet like HITS. It has now gotten so large that the 2019 HITS will be held at the largest convention center in North America. That's Chicago's McCormick Place. Experience matters when it comes to putting on a show like this and when it comes to police dog trainers. The guys who run HITS are still working police dogs, just like you. There's going to be three full days of training with five classes in session at a time. Toffers are going to range from patrol work and dog selection to case law to search and rescue to canine first aid and everything in between. They had 1,100 people in attendance last year in D.C. and are planning for more this year. And it wouldn't be a conference without the vendors. The McCormick Place has enough room for 100 vendor booths. You can meet the people that make the equipment you guys use every single day. The vendors make coming to hits an experience like nothing else in this industry. Plus the free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Last year they gave away about 40 grand in cash and prizes from vendors. I expect Chicago to be bigger. So come join the crew from Working Dog Radio in Chicago during the week of August 13th through the 16th at McCormick Place in Chicago, Illinois. Now, I know handlers and I know you people wait to the last minute to do everything. Don't be that guy. Head over to Hits Canine. Dot net. That's the letter K, the number nine, to get registered and save money on your registration for doing it early. There's also information about the discounted hotel rooms. That's August 13th through the 16th in Chicago. If you didn't write it down, we got the link in the show notes. Hey guys, Eric here. If you follow Ted and I, you know that we've been traveling all over the United States doing seminars. Every time I do one of those seminars, I like to ask the handler where they got their dog. Every time they tell me Southern Coast Canine, I know we're going to have a good time. I know it's going to be a good dog. We have been seeing a lot of their dogs at a lot of different seminars, detection, dual purpose, new handlers, experienced handlers, guys that have gone back to them over and over again. Uh, We just did the Bravo 3 conference recently down in Daytona and Southern Coast Canine brought out three green dogs. Like they just got them off the plane from Europe and they were bangers, all three of them. They killed the scenarios. They'd never seen any of that stuff, but their selection process is great. Check out their website, southerncoastk9.com. They're offering handler schools, trainer schools, supervisor schools. They got uh, a great relationship with Tripwire, so they're doing explosive stuff down there. Every year they do a huge detection seminar. Check out southerncoastk9.com. I've been really impressed, honestly, with the dogs that I've seen come from them. southerncoastk9.com. Good people, great facility. Check them out. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's take a break for a second. Let's talk about Dogtra. We make no bones about the fact that Eric and I love Dogtra. In fact, we've been users of them since long before we even started the podcast, and it's one of the reasons that we approached them to be sponsors of the show. We typically only want to have stuff on here that we actually use and that we can stand behind and endorse. Dogtra is one of those companies. They've been at it for a long time and are industry leaders when it comes to production of reliable, consistent training equipment for your dog, whether be poppers and droppers, whether it be e-collars or now they've got the new GPS one, which Eric has been playing with and he really, really likes it. So what I want everyone to do is head to dogtra.com. You get a 10% off of any item over $200 and you use the discount code WDR10. That's just like the initials of the show, Working Dog Radio, WDR10. Hit them up. Hey guys, Eric here. If you listen to Working Dog Radio or follow me on social media, Van S. K9, you know that I am involved in a wide variety of aspects of the dog world. I am a police dog trainer, pet dog trainer, I own dog daycare, and I am a pet owner. So I have a wide variety of needs when it comes to gear for the dogs, 
daily living things for the dogs, all kinds of items, training, anything possible I need. I go to one place, rayallen.com. Rayallen.com is a one-stop shop for everything dog related. Anything you could possibly need, check them out, rayallen.com. They've been doing a long time. Great customer service, super high integrity at that place, rayallen.com. Put in promo code Working Dog Radio for 10% off your next order. Ted and I love that place. RayAllen.com. Get on there. Click everything you need. Ship it all at once. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. Yo, everybody, let's talk about getting a job. Coast to Coast Canine is hiring experienced full-time and part-time drug and explosive detection canine handlers. If you're interested, shoot Peggy Heiser an email at pheiser, P-H-E-I-S-E-R at C2CK9.com. That's the letter C, the number two, the letter C, the number K, the number nine.com. What you have to have to be eligible for this is a minimum of three years knowledge in handling detection or training experience with law enforcement and military and large breed high drive dogs. You gotta possess a trainer certification from a state recognized agency or national certification such as USPCA, NAPWADA, NNDDA, or something similar. You also need to have a knowledge and or experience as an instructor or a canine handler with a state recognized agency like the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. You gotta speak fluent Spanish and English. If you have all that, they're willing to give you a competitive wage and employee benefits. Again, that's P. Heiser at C2CK9.com. Highland Canine Training, LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house. But most importantly, they offer a full-service canine academy with canine handlers courses, canine instructors courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. That's Tactical Police the letter K, the number nine, training.com, and make your unit better. Ah, uh, We are back with Make Canada Canine Great Again, the first of the series with Michael <laughs> Nesbeth. So uh, we've been talking grip development and um, obscene testing protocols. So, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the other things that Eric and I get routinely um, ask about is as a, like, uh, not even just from civilians, but even cops in general. Like, how do you get into canine? So Eric has given great advice to police officers. Like, if you're a cop and you want to be in canine, like, go to a huge department. Like, that's the easiest way to do it. Our canine unit or department has a very well-established canine unit. And, you know, it's very successful and, you know, has great leadership and all this other stuff. And you'll probably have much more success. Um, if you're on the civilian side, things get a little murkier. So you were never in the military. You were never a police officer. You have a like a college education. You have in criminal justice. But so kind of talk about how you kind of got started with grassroots and started going towards, I guess, providing police dogs for police officers never having been there before. Yeah. So it uh, it started kind of by proxy. Um, there was, uh, some people in Florida that, uh, kind of contracted me, um, to, to raise some dogs for them. And then, uh, they would sell them. 
Um, so I, I still, by the time I got to Canada myself personally, I, I, I didn't sell a police dog to an agency. Um, so that being said, again, I'm, you know, I, I was never in the military. I was never a police officer. And on top of that, I, I don't generally fit the profile of either of those things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tall, um, dark skinned, did like long walks on the beach. No, I, I'm tattooed. I have dreads. Um, so already for me, um, you know, just not fitting the profile. Uh, I, I always just kind of looked at things like, Hey, what, what could be my advantage with this? Um, you know, part of my advantage, I, I believe is just, I, I don't have a lot to talk about when it comes to dogs or, or I don't have a lot of, you know, experience. Well, I have zero experience as a law enforcement officer. Um, so I, I just picked out what am I, what am I good at and what can I do? Um, and, and generally that was raising dogs and, and training dogs. So the approach that I took is the approach that I took when I was first trying to get into training. And I literally knocked on every door, showed up at training days, uh, uninvited, be that, um, and kind of just annoyed people uh, <laughs> until they're finally like, Oh, let's, let's see your dog. You know, um, I, I didn't take the approach of, Hey, I got, I have a rock star dog that you need to test. And it's, it's the best dog you'll ever see. Cause I know, um, from my dealings with uh, <laughs> police canine officers in, in yep. Florida, how that how that would go. But I was always just like, hey, I have a dog if you guys are ever interested in checking them out, you know. Um, and luckily, uh, one of the officers, a guy, his, his name is Mark. He actually owns a, um, a kind of a dog training supply or a dog supply company in Canada named Canine Dynamics. Um, him and I is one of his counterparts, Murray gave me a, just gave me a shot. They're like, all right, bring the dog out. Uh, I showed up with the dog and like, I just let the dog kind of speak, you know, like, all right, do your testing. What do you think about him? Uh, I just, I gave him the leash and I was like, test. And, you know, I, I knew that I, I put in the, the work, um, with the dog and I knew that the dog genetically, uh, had a lot to bring to the table. So that's kind of how I, I took my shot. And from there, kind of doors just kept opening up. Uh, now, I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough. I get to travel and do so many seminars with uh, law enforcement on grip development or decoy uh, fundamentals. I've done some work with Carlos as well. Um, so it, it's all kind of just picked up from there. Man, I, I just kept my head down and just really focused on the dogs and just don't be an asshole, you know. I think that's yeah. the best advice uh, I can yeah. give. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag don't be an asshole. <laughs> so yeah. lots of there's we get besides the questions, you know, uh of guys, how do I get break into selling the dogs and everything? Um one of the other things that I think holds people back is the lack of like I don't have a, a facility, I don't have a, a a big training building, I don't have money to, to really lease or to to buy land or anything like that and when we first met the um uh the videos you were sending me of dogs and things like that were like at your house and things you were doing in the backyard and in different spots mm -hmm. like that but i saw some some in some intuitiveness i guess some ingenuity from you on um like how you did your back ties and how you did a uh, like your own version of a table and some different things Give give some folks a couple cheats, man, that that can do on the on the cheaper end of of getting started. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, 
Yeah. So obviously when, when I first started, you know, there was, the budget was in the negatives for what I, what I, what <laughs> I had, I could afford to spend on um, police dog work. I, you know, we had the pet dog business that was doing okay. Nothing fancy. It was, you know, crates in, in my basement and, and training dogs, my wife, you know? Um, so I, I knew that there are certain things that would help a lot in the progress uh, of, you know, working up these dogs. Um, one of them was a table. You know, I had the luxury of using a table when I was in Florida at the club that I trained with, but I didn't have the luxury or, or the funds or the, or the, you know, location to necessarily put a table in. Um, so one of the ways that I kind of made shift, you know, MacGyvered my own table was I hooked up a, a back tie in the back of the pickup truck and put the tailgate down. Um, and, and was able to use that uh, the same way that, you know, anyone would use a table. It, it, to me, a table is just a Skinner box, you know, it gives us a chance to isolate certain behaviors that we're working on. Um, and, and anything that I could use, I, I've used park bench, well, not park benches, sorry, those, uh, you know, those picnic tables at parks. I've uh, scooted those up to trees and tied a, a leash around a tree and used that. Um, I've, I've rigged up my own bungees by um, going to the, your local Home Depot, grabbing some chain um, and, and hooking some springs <laughs> across the, the middle of the, tra- the chain um, with, some, with some bend in the chain. Um, and it was, that was cool because I could add additional springs if I needed to make it a little bit more resistant for certain dogs and, and so forth. But, you know, just being creative and figuring out what the necessities are and then finding a way to go do it, not, not using... I was never been one to try and make excuses for things, so I'll figure it out if I need it. If I can't build it, I'll make something happen. And, and I saw, I don't know, a video of yours within the last month or two still using the truck bed, so it still has value. Yeah. Definitely, man. Now, now I have a table, so, um, but you know the the, the truck bed. Uh, it, it's just a different surface for the dogs to be on. It's kind of it works like a mobile table too. You know, I can pull up to. A, uh, mall parking garage is what I used to do a lot. We had like um, an indoor parking garage. So if it was raining or, you know, in Canada, it snows every now and then. Um, I, I could <laughs> hit an underground parking lot. and Yeah, occasionally, not too often, you know. The palm trees are pretty good out here, so lots of snow. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the moral of the story is if you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You'll, you'll come up with that with those ways. You just got to think, right? Yeah. You got to. And, and, I'm, and when I'm Mike, open, Mike said, people, so, "Sorry, go ahead." No, I would say if when you heard Mike say that the bed of the truck or the table is a Skinner box, and if you have no idea what he's talking about, you got some studying to do before you get into training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You mean yeah, we don't use tables? So I don't. Have, I just use tables. So my old ass doesn't have to bend over. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. There, there, there's that part of it too, right? Save your back. <laughs> yeah. Why do you use the table so I don't bend over? <laughs> yeah, same reason I sit in a chair sometimes when I'm done. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. Like when I went down to the concert last week, uh, Ray had that fucking scooter thing in his garage and i was like oh we'll use this so i had all the sport dogs pushing me around on uh so it's kind of the exact opposite of a table but um you know it was just a big like carty thingy and the dogs would get on a grip and i would just kind of put my foot down as a break and when they would dig in i wouldn't pick my foot and they would just push me around the garage on this big ass scooter thing 
uh, for a couple minutes at a time and people are like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing ever. I'm like, well, we do it with puppies. I mean, I sit in a, I sit in a chair and I mean, it's like they push us around, but that's how we teach them to push. And every single dog was great. I mean, they didn't know, not a single one of them pulled, which I was happy about. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Mike, um, you travel to the U S you travel to the U S a lot, bringing your, your accent down here to do some training. Um, <laughs> what do you, what do you got coming up next? I know you were just down here doing some detection or something, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was just, I just finished in Florida. I was doing a detection seminar down there um, in Tampa uh, with Joseph um, from Pro Canine Solutions. I have uh, quite a few. I got a, I have one coming up in October. Uh, with it's That should be a really good one. It's going to be me, Justin, and Carlos, and it's going to be in New Orleans. Um, that one I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I have another seminar that's going to be a little bit far from you guys. It's going to be in Ireland. Oh, um, shit. That's in September. Just a, just yeah, a that, bit. That, sorry. Just, just, a, just a tad bit far from you. Um, so that, that one's in Ireland. I'll be there um, in September. And then after, I'm going to go check out our, our friend in uh, Germany, uh, Eric. I'm going to buy some dogs, too, while I'm there. If all goes yeah. well. Milan's a good dude, man. Yeah. So um, you, Justin, and Carlos in New Orleans, I predict yeah. uh, a bathtub, ice, <laughs> a missing <God>. kidney, <laughs> lost time, maybe some time travel, and, and things like that, at least on Justin. I don't know about <laughs> him, <laughs> you and Carlos. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 don't let him get you with that moonshine. He's, that. Ten, he's from Tennessee now. Yeah, he's from Tennessee. Oh, no, bring that moonshine. You better yeah. be careful. <laughs> not, not a chance. I'm, I'm a lightweight. I can't handle that. I can't drink. Right. Uh, Coca-Cola has me feeling a little tipsy. <laughs> well, come to think of it, Ted, when we were in Albany, you and I closed the bar every night. I didn't see Michael there once. Yeah. I saw uh, the grassroots girls there. I did not see Michael at all. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, he, I got, he goes I get to, to bed, bed early. early. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I was drinking Pedialyte. So tell everybody where they can find you. Right. Of course. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find <laughs> you, website, social media, all that stuff. Yeah, you guys can find us at uh, grassrootsk9.com um, for our website. Uh, social media at grassrootsk9 on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, for more of the working dog stuff on Instagram, um, it's just at k9 underscore Mike. Uh, and that's that's all of our you know they all link to one another if anyone has any questions you know our contact information is available on all those so give us a shout excellent excellent um your yeah. motto is your motto is don't uh, is run your dog not your mouth yeah exactly exactly that's the that? motto for this year at least <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah, just do we'll both up something different <laughs> just do both like yeah, give them two reasons give them two reasons to hate you so um <laughs> right yeah I, <laughs> eric where, where can they find you uh van sk9 on instagram patreon.com look up working dog radio we put on today or yesterday we put a another tracking video on patreon patreon that i'm doing um and then today we put up a video that i've had in the archive since 2009, it was a dash cam video of me and my partner Willie chasing a burglary suspect. 
and um, a pretty and his mom epic looking for him too. Over the car bite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his mom's trying to pick him up. Pretty epic over the top of a car bite by Willie. And uh, I had to, you know, of course, get in there and help my partner a little bit. Um, I think the video is from two, 2009. I look good. I look skinny. I look young. You had um, hair that was not gray. I did. I had a lot of hair, actually. Yeah, like a lot of uh, dippity-doo, a lot of dippity-doo in there to hold that hair up. Um, but it's a really good video. We'll put it on Patreon today if you guys check it out. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, How about you? I am on the Instagrams, Ted underscore Summers, and then the Torchlight K9, letter K number nine, uh, is the kennel side. And then, of course, working underscore dog underscore radio is the podcast. Uh, we just crossed over a threshold, so Alicia's able to now post links in those stories and stuff. So when we send the links to Patreons or we send the links to all of our sponsors and stuff that we're advertising on that. Uh, it'll be super easy to get on them that way too. So much easier. We're moving a step for you. So you're welcome. <laughs> and yeah, like one I said, last sure thing, Mike Canadians. So oh. everybody would think that the Canadians, uh, if you watch the bad and canine stuff, all teach Ugh. their handlers to take naps with their dogs. Ah, damn it. Uh, is that all Canadians or just that group? <laughs> I don't know. Ask um, what's the guys in Montana. I think they do the same thing too. God, fuck those <laughs> dude. Fucking yeah. Yeah. whatever. No, fuck we, we don't nap with our dogs, man. No. Who's got fucking time to nap? I don't know. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I'm what not even that? a handler anymore. I don't nap at all. So, yeah. so right, Mike, thank you very much for yes. coming on. I appreciate it. Yep. So uh, no next problem, episode. Yeah, dude. Uh, next episode is going to be Bob Eden, um, and uh, he was handling a dog in Canada before it was a country. So um, that should be an interesting interview. So everybody he wrote O Canada. True story. Um, he did, and he'll tell us that story. <laughs> so um, yeah, be sure everybody to uh, like, subscribe, uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies, whoever. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys in a little while. Mike, we'll see you soon. All right, thanks. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you soon. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at alnk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys 
toys with the hard, super-chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high-drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military-themed. Go to the website, www.usa-canine.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-canine.com. Use the promo code K. Nine Pro, or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. Everybody loves stuff that goes boom, and we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up. Specifically for guys in this podcast, for if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely. And these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.